Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Erin talking about Steps 8 and 9. Hey, hello. I'm Erin. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Erin. Great to be here. I feel incredibly grateful to be invited. Um, am I close enough? Good. Um, and especially to speak about Step 9 because Step 9... Um, was really the magic step uh, for me. And I'm going to preface what I'm going to share about today. Today is just my experience. Um, it's a little different to some other people's experiences in AA. Um, by no means am I trying to challenge you. Um, and I would defer always to your sponsor. Um, if anything I do say doesn't quite resonate with you, just... Uh, yeah, well, you've got a program to deal with that, so uh, you know I'll, I'll trust that you've got sponsors to go back with. Um, I was I was 24 when I came to AA. Um, it doesn't sound like a long time drinking, perhaps, but it was enough time to make a right mess of my life. And um, I was a hundred grand in debt. Uh, the government was chasing me. Um, I couldn't pay my rent. Uh, I'd failed out of uni. I had three jobs. I was about to be fired from the primary one. Um, my family wouldn't speak to me. <clears throat> I didn't have any friends left. I'd, I'd burnt all those bridges. I was basically a social hand grenade. And um, any time I went out into the world, you know, explosions happened um, and carnage. And I, I came into AA, you know, really um, with just a path of destruction behind me and... Uh, at my third meeting, it was a meeting about sponsorship, and I realised if I didn't get a sponsor, I was, I was going to die from this thing. Um, and so I got a sponsor, and uh, I got into the steps pretty quickly, um, you know, and I was guided through this process, and I was willing, and I wanted it, and um, I was at step nine at 90 days sober, and um, the desire to drink hadn't left, uh, and I was desperately praying every day. I was like, why do I still pass bottle shops and think about drinking and sit up at night thinking about drinking and I can't sleep, you know, and, and the head just won't leave me alone. And, uh, and I looked at myself and I was prepared to make amends. And I would say that if you're looking at step nine and you're not prepared to make amends... This might be one of those challenging things. This is how my sponsor challenged me. Um, that you probably don't understand the process or you need to go back and look at step four and five. Um, because the process is not... The process is really simple. I wrong people. I wrong people all the time. And this is a chance to right my wrongs. I right my wrongs provided I don't hurt people by righting my wrongs. And I do it to the best of my ability and if, if possible, I do it in person. And, uh, and I had a long list. Um, and I had a very specific idea about how I should be making amends to these people and I had a very specific idea about what that was going to look like and my sponsor challenged me every step of the way because I, I was petrified. And um, one of my first amends was to my current employer and I was working at a restaurant. I'd been stealing beer 
cases of beer. I'd been taking cases of beer home basically every night and uh, I'd been stealing cash from the till, from the safe, um, because I felt I was entitled uh, and I wasn't paid enough. Um, but my sponsor challenged me to make amends. Now, I organised a meeting with the owner of the restaurant on the same day uh, in another room one of the other staff members who was stealing was being tried with police involvement, like as in they had been caught stealing and they were having a meeting to fire them and char like formally charge them. <coughs> so I was petrified. I was petrified that I was going to be arrested, that I was going to be charged. Um, a lot of the things that I did when drinking were chargeable offences. feel really emotional. Um, you know, I prayed about it and a lot of people had told me at the time, don't do it. Like a lot of members of AA had said, don't do it. Because, you know, you'll get yourself in trouble and you get tried and my sponsor was like, you need to pray about it and, you know, any lengths. You need to go to any lengths. And... Um, I prayed about it and I knew that even if I did get tried and even if I did go to jail because it was quite a lot of money and um, over a long period of time, that, um, that it was worth it to stay sober. Even in 90 days, I knew that staying sober was worth it. And so I sat down with my boss. I'd written a letter because I didn't trust myself to to uh, stay on topic. My sponsor checked that letter and took out a few things that were a bit self-serving and just kept it to the point. <laughs> Basically, you know, I have worked here for this long. Over that period of time, I have stolen, I think, around about this much money every day from you. You know, I know this is a chargeable offence. I'm prepared to cooperate with whatever you decide to do. I'd like to pay the money back. I can pay it back at this rate over this period of time. Um, this is where my recovery really shifted and why it's so important because I remember the moment my boss cried. He said he's had plenty of people steal from him in his life but he's never had someone sit down and tell, tell him that they've stolen and offered to pay it back. He asked me to stay with the company I was, put in I was put in charge of helping stop other people <coughs> stealing from the company. <laughs> and I was given a promotion. The power of the amends process. The power of the support. And I have experience after experience after experience like that with my financial amends. It took me six years to pay back a hundred grand to the government, to my former bosses, to my family, but I paid it back ten dollars at a time. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of money when I came in. 
didn't pay it all back in one grand gesture. You know, it's pretty humbling to say to somebody, I owe you 40 grand and I'm going to start with $10 a week. Um, and them to say, okay, that's enough. That's a start. Um, and I think financial amends in some ways were easier than the living amends. Once I'd had that first experience, I knew that whatever happened from there, I was prepared to go to any lengths. Um, any lengths for solid recovery. I think some of the hardest amends were the relationship ones. Now, again, you may have had different advice, different experience on this. I, I always deferred to my sponsor's advice. Some, some of the people that I had been in romantic relationships in, in the past, I made amends to, and some I didn't. Because to make amends to them, I'd, I'd been out of their life. I was, I was such a such a horrible person within that relationship and could, had caused so much damage that to step back into their life suddenly and say, hi, I'm here, I just want to apologise and see you later, would have caused huge amounts of damage. Now, again, that's not a decision I made by myself. And a lot of them I was resistant. I was like, I really want to go and see this person. And my sponsor was like, I want you to just pray about it and consider how this is going to affect that person's life. They've moved on. They've got, you know, and again, like I said, that was each, each individual situation put to the test and asked myself, am I going to hurt this person by doing so? Is it going to enrich their life? Am I trying to save my own skin at the expense of them? Because perhaps I just have to deal with my guilt, with my high power and my program, and, and the best thing I can do for that person is to leave them alone and let them live their life in peace and not disrupt it anymore the way that I always did. So, and, and again, that's something that I'm really strong about counselling with a sponsor about, you know, um, if you're in the room and you're not sure you should get counsel, you should share yourself with someone and when they know enough about you, they can help you and guide you with your higher power. I am... Um, I just think the power of this step in terms of reconnecting you, thank you, in terms of reconnecting you with the people in your life, I, um, I remember making amends to um, my mum and my sponsor, my sponsor had said, really, whatever your mum asks for, because you know, she had prefaced that I should say, is there anything that I can do to start making amends? And... I just love this because the thing that I think are important in other people's lives are not necessarily the things that they think are important, you know, and when I sat to make amends with my mum about all the nastiness and the, you know, disappearances and the violent outbursts and damaging property and money that I stole and, um, you know, I said, is there anything that I can do? And she said, yeah, well, you can start paying back the money. And she had a couple of little things that she would like me to do. And she said, and you're not allowed to get another tattoo until you're 40. <laughs> she said, you said I can ask for whatever I want, and that's what I want. I never liked you getting tattoos, and I don't want you to get another one. You have to make amends. And she'd actually read the big book by this stage. So... <laughs> 
And I sort of think sometimes it's the little things that make you connected. And, um, you know, I didn't like for a year afterwards that my mum, every time I called her, she'd be like, how much money do you need? What do you need? Like, you know, I used to get really angry at her because I thought, well, I've made amends now. You should know that I'm different. You should know that I'm not calling you to ask for money. You should just accept it. And you realise that sometimes it's a really long process. I like it says it's a long period of reconstruction ahead. And um, the last thing I really want to share about is living amends. Um, because when you, ca- when you can't directly see someone, and there's a few people that, like others have shared, that didn't want to see me, I can't see, or you know, in council we've decided it's probably not a good idea to see at this stage. Um, you know, that's where an indirect amends is possible. So, and a big part of this I want to talk about is my relationship ideal. Now, it doesn't get spoken about a lot in AA, but my sponsor put a big focus on it, and it talks about it in step four, that when you write your step four, you're going to use your sex conduct to create a relationship ideal. And um, it talks about for your future sex life, but, you know, my sponsor talked about in step nine that really you're trying to get in right relation with the world. Like, you're trying to get yourself right in the world and right your wrongs in the world so that you can be okay and at peace and ease in the world. And a part of that is changing the way that you behave and the things that you've done in the past. So when I write in my inventory, okay, every person I've ever been in a romantic relationship with I've cheated on and lied to and, uh, you know, verbally and emotionally abused, um, used them for my own sort of selfish ends, I can take that and now in my relationships today say, okay... Like some of those people I can't see, but I can be the best partner to all the future people in my life. I can make amends by not behaving that way anymore and by treating people right in the now and in the future. You know, so the people that I'm with today, like my husband today gets the best version of me possible. And I think, I think about those people every day that I hurt and I think I'm not going to do that to somebody anymore. I'm not going to behave that way. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to make it all about me. I'm going to be the best version of myself. And I look at that as my amends. I look at that. I can't go and see those people, so I'm going to make amends and I'm not going to behave that way anymore with these people in the future to the best of my ability. Now, did I get into <coughs> AA and stop lying? No. You know? No, it took me a little while. Three years sober, I found out I was stealing. I was like, oh my God, I was like in delusion world, you know? And I thought, geez, I've been stealing. But luckily, I had a program to go back and look at what I was doing, you know, to try and ask for those defects to be removed, to make amends directly, and then to try and move forward a better version of myself with a better ideal for the future. Thank you. I um, I think, like I said, my story is... Um, some people might have said that 90 days was too early 
to do amends. I know a lot of people said that. A lot of people tried to deter me from doing specific amends that I may have ended up in jail, as I said. But this step and the way that I did it and the timing that I did it was not in isolation. I'd done the eight steps prior. I had a higher power in my life. I had a sponsor and support to guide me. And I trusted that sobriety and that this program and the things that people told me in this program could work for me too. And they did. And happily, eight years later, I'm still sober. I live an amazing life, like an amazing life, thanks to this program. And I would say if you're at step eight or nine or coming up to it to not be afraid, it liberated me and connected me to the people in my life that I'd lost and the world about me. And it continues today to give me a framework of how to operate in the world when I stuff up, because I'm going to stuff up. And uh, I'm just so grateful, so grateful to be here and to be able to share about it. Thank you so much for having me, and I'll leave it there. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.